Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Business of Empathy podcast. I'm Samantha Watkins. And I'm Solomon Lipschitz. And today, we're going to be talking about why you should be paying attention to the Business of Empathy. So you did a really good job last episode explaining what empathy was and sort of what your theory of it is. Um, But I guess maybe you could expand a little bit as to its practical applications, both in business and in your personal life. Absolutely. Uh, When it comes down to it, empathy is important because it facilitates pro-social behavior. Okay. Pro-social behavior is a broad category. Basically, all behaviors fall into either pro-social or anti-social behavior. Okay. Is it as simple as it sounds, where it's just, you know, this is a good behavior for the society around you and this is a negative behavior? In the simplest terms, yes. Of course, it depends on context and it depends on perspective. Some people are going to view certain actions as antisocial or prosocial that other people might disagree with. But typically, prosocial behavior is something like helping others, caring about others, and well being. Uh, antisocial behavior is egocentric, narcissistic. Uh, very internally focused. Pro-social and anti-social, the, the core root word is social. Mm-hmm. When we categorize behaviors based on that dichotomy, what we're talking about is how your behavior impacts other people. Okay. So that seems like something that's very relevant, in, uh, especially in the business world. Um, most businesses don't operate in a vacuum. They interact with either customers, other businesses, or just the employees that work there. So I guess, can you talk a little bit more about how empathy is you know, beneficial in these environments? Absolutely. In professional spaces, there are sort of four key pillars which empathy uh, bolsters. Okay. It affects a lot of other things as well, but the four that I'm going to focus on are communication, respect, commitment to the organization, and collaboration. Mm-hmm. If you look at what happens in those four categories, when there is a lack of empathy, you get things like conflict, misunderstandings, absenteeism, a lack of innovation, and a competitive, hostile environment. Mm-hmm. Very kind of like a Wolf of Wall Street-esque environment. Uh, haven't seen it, but from what I can tell, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, essentially, these all kind of boil down into two big issues. Employee dissatisfaction and poor production-related outcomes. Okay. Moving from there, what does that mean to a, to a business? Because maybe you're some CEO and you're looking at your multi-million employees and you think, oh, how much does it really matter to me if Cindy Lou Who over in Nowhere, Alabama is not happy at her job? Mm-hmm. And it actually costs a lot of money to okay. have high employee dissatisfaction. And then poor production-related outcomes, you can imagine how Mm -hmm. costly that can be. So this can result in things like high employee turnover, which costs money with the hiring and training process, poor customer service, which results in poor customer acquirement and retention, uh, and thereby sales, lack of productivity, poor company image, it inhibits growth, it means your company's slow to adapt, and generally there's a toxic environment making it hard to be productive, to hire quality employees, and to get customers. So that that makes sense, because it might not necessarily be the immediate thing that you think of uh, if your company has a lack of empathy, but they're, it's sort of may, perhaps symptomatic of other problems and will definitely have a long-term consequence one way or another. 
I wouldn't even say empathy is symptomatic of other problems. I think other problems are symptomatic of a lack of empathy. There are other related skills like problem solving and critical thinking that those three kind of go hand in hand. Um, if you're lacking one, you can kind of compensate with the other two, but they all serve their own purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, we could have the business of critical thinking, and <laughs> that would be a worthwhile conversation to be having as well. But since we're here talking about empathy, I want to focus on how these problems relate to that. Okay. So something like communication. Right. If you're, I don't know, Jeff Bezos, what do you care that Barb and Sue in Indiana are having a fight over whose stapler is whose? Mm -hmm. Well, on a personal level, you don't. But on a professional level, if Barb and Sue, as a result of this inability to communicate, stemming from their inability to empathize with one another, then go on to do their jobs poorly, that could have resounding impacts, you know, the butterfly effect. Right. Every workplace conflict leads to greater repercussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, 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 I think that's somewhat intuitive of, you know, a, a bad environment breeds more, you know, negative consequences one way or another people are arguing you know at work then you're more likely to feel like that's the environment that i live in that's the way that things get solved around here yeah and it doesn't just impact the employees you have it impacts the employees you could get in the future mm -hmm. because why does somebody want to work for you if everybody who works for you is miserable and fighting all the time right if it's a management problem and the management is unable to empathize with the um, employees, they're not going to be able to bring in new team members. If the employees are struggling to empathize with one another or with the management, then there's a whole nother layer of conflict. And this is all just back in communication. Like the inability to talk to one another mm -hmm. can really put a halt to anything happening, any forward momentum, something like innovation, especially right now with everything that's going on with the pandemic and so on, companies had to innovate very quickly to be able to keep up and a lot of companies weren't because they just didn't have the ability to communicate with one another in a way that facilitated innovation. Because think about it. What does innovation require? It, right. Communication of some kind. Communication, but also an openness to new ideas. Feeling comfortable sharing and, and being vulnerable with something that may or may not work. Mm -hmm. And not really harshing on somebody who did give an idea that didn't work. Mm-hmm. There has to be this sort of freedom in the space that an unempathetic organization just doesn't facilitate. So that's interesting because, I mean, it would explain why even in some fields that have, you know, high respect and high compensation that you still see, you know, high turnover. I mean, if, I don't know if there's any uh, data out on this, but like, where would you say that, you know, having a empathetic work environment ranks amongst people, you know, relative to things like salary or upward mobility or things like that? There's actually this really incredible statistic that surprised even me uh, from a 2019 workplace study. It found that 82% of employees surveyed would consider leaving their current position for a more empathetic organization. I mean, consider that 82% of your workforce would be happy to walk away despite whatever you're currently giving mm -hmm. them just to find a better atmosphere somewhere else. Right. You could basically steal an entire company by just being a more empathetic version of an existing company. Absolutely. I mean, think about places in tech like Amazon versus Google versus whatever else. One of their big draws is the environment because they're all compensating about the same. They're mm -hmm. all offering pretty much the same work. They're all doing incredible, innovative stuff. Why do you want to work for us? Well, for Google, it's because we care about you. We have snacks every five feet or 15 feet or whatever it is. We have a nap room. We let you bring your dog in. Like, mm -hmm. 
they really care about creating this this hospitable environment. Now, does that mean their management or their higher-ups are truly empathetic? I don't know. I haven't met them. But the way they treat their employees, or at least their technical employees within San Francisco, tends to be viewed in a very empathetic light. Mm-hmm. Right. It's viewed as a place that people would want to work at because it's, you know, it's nice. Right. So it's a pleasant environment. When I was in college and I knew computer scientists, people wanted to work for an organization like Google over a comparable organization just because Google was a fun and interesting place to work, mm-hmm. whereas other jobs were considered stuffier and more stifling. Yeah. I think it goes into something you touched on before of, you know, empathy partially, you know, being responsible for how your company is viewed, uh, both by the consumer, but also by the employee. Oh, entirely. If you can communicate empathy, not only towards your employees, but also towards your customers, Mm -hmm. people are way more willing to view you as a viable option because people want to buy from people who care about them. Mm-hmm. Even beyond that, even if you can't put on the facade of caring, you can at least listen. Sure. If you can get down to what people want and need and provide them with only that instead of trying to force a thousand other things, if you can really empathize with where your customers are, are you selling to the ultra wealthy? Are you selling to the middle class? Or are you selling to people who don't have a lot of spare income? And recognizing what you need to do as an organization to help those people, not target them, but help them, can really impact their perception of you as an empathetic organization. And that translates into your employees as well. Like, if Mm -hmm. they feel that they're doing something that is ethical and worthwhile, they're more likely to stay. Mm -hmm. So we've talked uh, quite a bit about, you know, what empathy looks like on a company-wide level. But it seems that empathy would have you know, benefits even on the personal level. Um, so like if I'm just an employee, what are the different ways that I can use empathy to either improve my sales, improve my, improve my work environment, anything like that? Sure. Um, so first I think I want to illustrate what it looks like when you're working in an atmosphere that lacks empathy. Sure. So that's going to look like hating where you work Mm -hmm. or at least disliking where you work. Um, having very low job satisfaction, and you'll feel that through low motivation and as a result, poor productivity. Um, you're going to experience a lot of stress, and you're probably going to have poor coworker relationships. Maybe not with everybody on your team, but at least with a few key individuals. That may, I mean, yeah, I know just from my own personal experience, I've definitely worked at places where I didn't feel valued or I didn't, uh, the environment wasn't particularly good, and I felt very little loyalty to, to those companies. You know, I didn't even think a second thought about finding a new job. Yeah, and I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, if they don't feel like their employer recognized them as a person, then they don't really have any strong inclination to stay. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not a person to you, if I'm just some pawn or some drone, I can go be a pawn or a drone somewhere else and make more money. I've had employers that care about me, but just the impl- the environment that they run is just not an empathetic environment. Uh, the job is either a grind and they don't do enough to compensate for it or anything, you know, something like that. Like I've felt sympathy with, you know, my boss and or empathy with my boss, but still had no desire to keep working the job. So here we're talking about two different things. What I was expressing was 
an individual basis of empathy. Okay. So where a person in the organization is not empathetic towards you, and as a result, you experience discomfort. What you're talking about, which is equally valuable, is an organizational culture of empathy. Mm. So where your management team seems really to treat you well and your coworkers all get along and yet there's still something wrong. There's that pee under all the mattresses mm-hmm. that's keeping you up at night and you go, what is it? So that organizational level of empathy, when you're still experiencing that discomfort, but you can't put your finger on why, and it turns out that it's in the policy. Mm. And this is where conversations of diversity and inclusion start to come in because if the organization's policy is written in such a way that it doesn't facilitate innovation or inclusion or equity then you're going to still experience that discomfort even if everyone is nice to you Mm -hmm. because there's a difference between niceness and empathy okay and yeah i think that's an important distinction to make i think otherwise uh there'd be a lot a lot of people will think of them as synonymous being nice can be empathetic but it is not a band-aid to put over a lack of empathy okay and i think a lot of organizations go wrong here A really good example of this would be performative allyship. So, like, during Pride Month, a lot of companies will rebrand with rainbow materials. But are they donating? Are they facilitating positive environments for their queer employees? Mm -hmm. Are they writing policy that protects their queer employees? Are they doing anything in the community to help support queer communities? And the answer to that typically is no. It's just, we put a rainbow on something, so you're more likely to buy it. Mm -hmm. That's nice, it's not empathetic. Okay. And it's also fundamentally not pro-social either. Right. Okay. But, um, but sorry, yeah. I've gotten so far off track from your original question, which is how does empathy impact the individual professional's life? Right. And as I was saying before, like you'll experience a lot of negative symptoms if you're in an environment that doesn't support empathetic behavior, largely as a result of the lack of pro-social behavior in the environment. Uh, So what I would say to the individual who's listening to this podcast and saying, how can I find greater job satisfaction? Maybe you're in a position you can't leave, or for some reason you you just want to make where you're at better, Mm -hmm. then go find greener pastures. And I would say to you, by listening to this podcast or studying empathy in any way, uh, whether you do it through online courses, webinars, professional development of any sort, empathy is going to help you as an individual to bring those skills into that environment. And so in doing so, you're going to have a twofold impact. One, changing your own mentality and being able to recognize unempathetic behavior in others, it kind of creates this defense where if someone is unempathetic towards you, you can kind of step back and be mindful and say, I recognize that this is antisocial behavior. I recognize where in the process this behavior went wrong. I understand where this stems from. And you'll be able to be empathetic in turn and not take it quite as personally. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if, let's say, Robin comes up to you in a meeting and just berates you in front of the entire department, you could respond by feeling really hurt, you could respond in anger, you have a lot of options. But if you are well-versed in empathy, you can stop, take a breath, and go, she did not exhibit empathy towards me, but I'm going to give it to her. And you can practice that affect or sharing, you can practice emotion identification, and then you can practice perspective taking and try and think, why did Robin treat me that way? Did I do something to earn this or does Robin just have something else going on and really drill into the root of the problems? And when you can drill into the root of problems, it's a lot easier to change them. Even if you're not in a position of authority, if you can say to your boss, look, regularly people around this office are experiencing problem A, that might be worth considering. You're at least doing your part to try and affect change in that environment. 
Right. Which is really all anyone can ask. Like, you can't control anyone else. You can just control yourself. <laughs> uh, we, we recently watched Hamilton, and the line that's coming to mind is, I'm the one thing in life I can control. Mm-hmm. And not that Aaron Burr should be anyone's idol. Uh, <laughs> he is motivated. <laughs> he is driven. <laughs> is he empathetic? <laughs> Smile more. <laughs> Talk, Talk less. less. <laughs> what I'm saying with that quote is, if you're in an environment that is bringing you stress that you consider to be unempathetic, and you decide to independently pursue empathy education you could be that source of change in your environment. And even if you can't change it for everyone, even if you can't quote-unquote fix Robin, Mm -hmm. you can help fix your perspective, which will help you find greater peace. It will make you happier to be able to do this sort of analysis on the environment around you. Believe it or not, just understanding why people act the way they do makes it a lot easier to put up with them. Mm -hmm. So that's... a. Uh, you explained a lot also about how, you know, it can affect the individual on, on the professional level um, in their environment. Does it have more benefit? I assume that it has more benefits just, you know, in your personal life outside of your work environment. Oh, absolutely. Uh, because, again, it all comes back to pro-social behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to empathize with Robin, the mean coworker, you're going to be able to empathize with Robin, your wife, uh, a little bit better. If you develop these skills in a professional setting... And you develop empathy in working with your coworkers, with your customers, with your clients, with whomever, you're going to be able to apply that skill outside of those contexts as well. Now, that takes an extra step of practice. You have to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll naturally bleed into your personal life a little bit, but if you consciously take these skills that we're going to talk about and, and look at your life, both professionally and personally, and try to find opportunities to implement it, you're going to find a lot of success with that because it'll work at either setting. So with your personal life, uh, empathizing with your loved ones, it might seem like you're already so empathetic towards your loved ones, and I have no doubt that you are, but you can always develop that skill further. Mm -hmm. Perspective taking, for example, is one of the core skills of empathy, and it is one of the core skills for communication. Uh, It's not talked about a lot, but being able to speak to somebody in language that they use Mm -hmm. is just immensely helpful. By which I mean um, talking to children or even talking to other adults if they don't understand what you're saying. So, like, let's say you and your partner get into a big fight. Mm -hmm. And the fight is over and you're both really angry. You decided to take a break. You can take that opportunity to cool down and consciously use the structures we're going to talk about in regards to empathy to deconstruct that argument and figure out what their actual point was. Because they weren't using language you could understand. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a fight. Right. There would have been no conflict because they would have said in words that meant something to you, hey, here's problem A. Here's solution I need. Mm-hmm. But instead they said other things. And so you can condense it down to your language. And then you can take the extra step and figure out what language they need to hear for you to propose your solution. That makes, That's interesting. I like, I like that perspective on it. From what it sounds like, there's really no place in your life, at least when it comes to interacting with other people, that empathy won't improve, um, or at the very least will be neutral or better. I completely agree. Uh, there is no harm in being empathetic. Mm-hmm. If anything, it gives you more information and more choices. Mm-hmm. If you have the information, you need to make an empathetic choice, and then you make the conscious decision to make a different choice, at least you have the the freedom to make a choice instead of being pigeonholed into your knee-jerk reaction. Right. 
And you can always, I mean, if you really need to, go back to that knee-jerk reaction. It, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should. It, it really is based on context. Sometimes our knee-jerk reactions are right, and we'll go through all the steps, and we'll realize maybe the situation, empathy isn't, isn't the solution. Mm-hmm. You can't forgive every trespass. But usually, run-of-the-mill, day-to-day situations, it's going to improve. Mm-hmm. So is your goal then for, with this podcast for the listener to become more empathetic or to exhibit more empathetic behavior? <laughs> um, so that's a really interesting question. I, I think that's a really critical distinction to make uh, because, as I mentioned in the last episode, you can conduct empathetic behavior without actually experiencing empathy. Mm-hmm. And personally, if we look at empathetic behavior as a subset of prosocial behavior, I would rather see more pro-social behavior in the world than antisocial. And if listening to this podcast helps you get to the point that you're conducting more pro-social behavior, I will be happy. <laughs> now, if you also become a more empathetic person overall, I'll be elated, mm-hmm. overjoyed, ecstatic. But And then they will inevitably mirror that emotion and also become <laughs> much happier. Yeah, so keep listening just so you can go on that train ride. <laughs> Uh, but no, to, to answer your question, I think the distinction between the two is really critical, but I don't think it matters for the lay person. Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking at your own life and you're getting to the point where you're saying, did I do that out of a place of empathy or did I do that just to do something empathetic? I think you should congratulate yourself for having done the right thing in the first place mm-hmm. and save that personal analysis <laughs> for the philosophers or for your biographers or whomever. <laughs> Not to say self-reflection isn't critical, as we'll discuss later, that's one of the core skills of empathy, but if people become more empathetic people, they'll do more empathetic behavior. If you do more empathetic behavior, you'll become a more empathetic person. I think they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. You'd have to really make a choice (laughs) to go down one lane and not the other. Uh, So No one tried to prove that. Well, I'd rather you didn't. (laughs) So, yeah, I think whatever listeners want to take away, they will. Um, I was having a conversation recently with one of our listeners who told me that they adamantly do not believe in behavioral change. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they, they brought up diets and how some ridiculous number, they said 70% of diets fail. Uh, 70% of people who attempt a diet do not succeed or, or don't reach their goal, whatever success means in regards to a diet. And I found that perspective very interesting because I, I recognize that is true. Many people who start diets don't finish them. I'm among that group. Mm-hmm. However, empathy is something different. I think behavior modification when it comes to social skills is something different. It's harder because you don't have the tangible outcome. You can't look at your waist or try on your pants and say, oh, this fits better. You're only going to get it through feedback from other people and your own internal feedback. Mm-hmm. You're only going to get it from when somebody goes, oh, that was so sweet of you. And you can't live your life waiting for external validation. If people want to become more empathetic or to exhibit more empathetic behavior as a result of listening to this podcast, of conducting empathy education, I think they're going to have to be very intentional about it. Uh, But that's why we've structured the podcast the way we have. Um, And you know this, we've talked about it, but (laughs) uh, to let everyone else in on it, what we're trying to do every episode is give you the information you need and then to give you a task for the week. And if you do that task, the next week's task will build on it. And you'll go through, and by the end of a series of tasks, you will have accomplished 
some sort of empathetic behavior or some increase in empathetic skills, something of that nature. Uh, and that's really what we want people to take away, is to understand that what we're talking about isn't just academic philosophy. These are practical, tangible things that you can do. Mm -hmm. And by doing them, you will be affecting behavior modification. Okay. So in summary, someone is listening to this podcast because, like you said, they want to exhibit more pro-social behavior. They you know, want to develop the skills to use empathy at all levels, personal, professional, organizational. Uh, they want to, in some ways, make their environments better. I would agree entirely. I think if somebody listens to this podcast and takes the, the to-dos to heart, they're going to feel the echoes of those choices throughout their life at every level. So, as I've referred to a couple of times, we do have to-dos every episode, so your to-do or your actionable takeaway for this week, uh, I invite you to pay attention to your behavior and that of those around you, both at home and at work. Keep an eye out for pro-social and anti-social behavior. Notice it within yourself and become curious about how to improve it, because that's what we'll be talking about over the next four episodes. We'd like to thank the Center for Empathy Education for producing this podcast. They are an organization dedicated to providing emotional intelligence and empathy-centered professional development. You can find them at centerforempathyeducation.com or at at empathy underscore ed on Twitter, Instagram, and Medium, or at Center for Empathy Education on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can find us at at empathybiz, B-I-Z, as in zebra, on Facebook and Twitter, you can also reach us at businessofempathy at gmail.com. We would love to hear your voices. This podcast is still new and we're still growing, so any feedback, questions, or comments would be so appreciated. Again, you can send those to businessofempathy at gmail.com. I'm Samantha Watkins. And I'm Solomon Lipschitz. Thanks for joining us and come back next week as we delve into the business of empathy.